All right. Hey, good morning. All right. Good. So uh, today wraps up an incredible, uh, crazy, fun, wild, powerful, beautiful, unforgettable, exhausting, really exhausting uh, week of vacation Bible school. Uh, it was so much fun. Again, huge thank you to everyone who, uh, who made it um, possible. And uh, it, was, it was truly an unforgettable week uh, for so many of the kids. And uh, throughout the week, we, we shared uh, these Bible stories uh, every day. And, uh, and a lot of them uh, were around uh, the period of, of Israel's history where they've been led out of slavery in Egypt and they're set to kind of wandering around in the wilderness uh, throughout uh, for 40 years. And so kind of the theme for this week was, you know, when life is wild, because those were some wild times, when life is wild, God is Good. And so uh, today I figured that I'd take you uh, to one of those stories that we kind of talked about uh, with the kids throughout vacation Bible school. It's a story about a man named Joshua. Now, Joshua lived a really interesting, uh, interesting, interesting life. Um, in fact, there's a whole book in the Bible uh, that's about his life. It's called Joshua. So should be easy to figure it out. Um, but Joshua's story actually doesn't begin in the book of Joshua. It begins with a man named Moses. And that might be maybe a little bit more of a familiar name to you. Moses was the leader of the Israelites, uh, led them out of slavery and oppression uh, in Egypt with Pharaoh and led them through the wilderness for 40 years. But Moses never actually led the Israelites into their new home, into this land that God had promised them that this would be their home, that they wouldn't have to be slaves anymore, that they would have true freedom uh, to worship God there. And one time with Moses, they, they got so close to the promised land, I mean, like right to the edge of it. And Moses said, okay, we got to find out what's on the other side of this thing. And so we sent over 12 spies into this promised land. 10 of them came back, all with the same report. No way. <laughs> it's too dangerous, too scary. The people over there, over there, they'll just crush us. All 10 came back with the same report, except for two. Caleb and Joshua. And Caleb and Joshua came back with a report of faith if God is for us, then what can possibly stand against us? Now, unfortunately, Moses didn't listen to Joshua at that time. And so they would spend an entire generation, 40 years, wandering around the wilderness. An entire generation would pass away. An entire generation would pass away, all except for two people, Caleb and Joshua because they had faith to see things through the eyes of faith. And so fast forward a couple decades or so, Moses, the leader, is now in his old age and he is about to pass away. And Joshua is going to be the one who finally succeeds him and leads the people into the land that God had promised them years and years ago, free of slavery, free of oppression. But before Moses passes away and kind of passes the torch on to Joshua, he's going to give him and the rest of the Israelites some advice. And this is just part of it. It comes from the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 8, verse 18. Moses says this. This is kind of his last words. He says, but remember, 
and this is a theme throughout this whole thing, but remember, remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth and all these other things, and so confirms his covenant, his promise, which he swore to your ancestors way back in the day, just as it is today. That when you get to your final home, when, when the promise is fulfilled, when, when your faith is rewarded, remember, remember that it was God every step of the way. Remember, remember when you get there and, and, and things are going well. Remember that when, when life is good, remember that it was God way back in the day who brought you to where you are. And so fast forward, Moses has just passed away. Joshua becomes the next successor, the new leader of the Israelites, brings them into the land that God had promised them years and years ago. And now they're standing on the riverbank of the Jordan River, about to cross over into the land of Gilgal, the, the, the promised land. So they're standing right there on the riverbank. And they're excited. Except for there's one problem. There's a huge river separating them from the promised land. And so Joshua does something interesting. He, he tells the priest, he says, okay, I want you to go and grab the Ark of the Covenant, which is kind of like God's mobile home. I mean, it's like where God resides, but you can like kind of move it about. So, so go grab God's mobile home, and I want you to put it on your shoulders, and I want you to wade into the middle of the Jordan River. And let's just see what happens if we bring God into the middle of this problem. And so look what happens. This is Joshua chapter three, verse 17. It says, the priest who carried the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stopped in the middle of the Jordan and stood on dry ground because the river had stopped flowing. It was dry for them to walk through while all Israel passed by until the whole nation had completed the crossing on dry ground until the whole nation completed the crossing on dry land. And, and so I just wanna, I wanna pause there because we can read it and just kinda not think much of it, um, but just try to imagine that you're there, that, that you see this happening, that you've been wandering about in the wilderness for, for all of these years, that finally this long-awaited promise is coming to be fulfilled. And imagine, imagine that you're one of those priests that you wade out into the middle of the water singing, thinking, God, I hope this works. And God shows up. And instead of making a mad dash for the finish line and, and jumping over into the promised land, you make your stand in the middle of the river until the whole nation comes through behind you on dry ground. And so here's, here's why I'm bringing this up. I want us all to be kind of like those priests that had the faith to wade out into the middle of the river and stand there and watch what God will do as people cross by through them. That you would make your stand in the middle of it all to ensure that those who are coming behind you, that they get through too. And I know there's kind of like a bunch of 
blank faces staring at me. You're like, I have no clue what you mean by this. So here's how I imagine this scene kind of playing out for us here today. Here's what I imagine for us to be kind of like priests who stand in the middle of the problem for people to come through. That those of you who have kids that are all grown up, they're out of the house now, that you would be those who stand in the middle of a fifth grade classroom upstairs in Main Street in the midst of the chaos and you help those kids get through to the next stage, on to middle school. And that those of you that, that may have kids that have, that have graduated and they're grown adults now, that, that you would be those who stand in the middle of a youth group nine square tournament. <laughs> and it's nuts. But you're there in the middle of it and you're there for those kids to see them come through come through high school, and get to that next phase. That whatever it is, and wherever you're at in life, we we all have somebody who's coming behind us. We all have somebody who's waiting on us for us to be their guide to get through to the other side. And, and, And here's the thing. That looking back on our lives, we we can probably say that God has made a way for us that God's made a way for us out of some bad things. God's made a way for us into some good things. But usually when we think back of it, we find that, that God has made a way through somebody else. That there was somebody else that was there, kind of standing in the middle for us to be our guide through to the other side. That when God makes a way, God uses somebody to set that way. Just as God used the priest to wade out into the middle of the river so that they could get through on dry ground. And so, so looking back on your life, was there somebody that God used? Was there somebody who was there kind of for you in the middle of it all to see you through to the other side? Was there somebody there to meet you in the muck and the mire of life so that you could pass through to the other side? Was, was there somebody, or, or maybe, maybe a group of somebodies, who were there to meet you in the middle of your parents' divorce? Was there somebody or, or a group of somebodies who were there to meet you in the middle of flunking out of school? Who were there to meet you in the middle of some, some bad habits, some bad times, a bad relationship? Was there somebody there to meet you when it was a lonely season? You moved to a new town with a new job and no friends. Was there somebody kind of in the middle waiting for you to guide you through to the other side? And so here's, here's why this is so important, I think. Here's why we do VBS. Here's why we do all of this stuff. Who are you standing in the middle for? And who are you standing in the middle for? to guide them through to the other side? That how is God using you to make a way through? Because somebody is always coming behind us in the next generation. You might be retired. You might be figuring out, how, how can I be there for somebody who's, who's just becoming an empty nester? You might be a parent of teenagers. How can you be there for, for somebody who's still wrestling with potty times and two-year-old temper tantrums? You might be a high schooler. You got middle schoolers coming behind you, looking up to you, elementary students. 
What can you do to stand in the middle for them, to make sure that they get through all right? Okay, so we've talked about one verse. I need to move on before we're here all day. All right, so this is the next chapter, Joshua chapter four, story goes on. Uh, Verse one begins this way. When the whole nation had finished crossing the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, choose 12 men from among the people, one from each tribe, and tell them to take 12 stones from the middle of the Jordan, from right where the priests are standing, and carry them over with you, and put them down at the place where you stay tonight. Notice that God tells them to go back to the river, to get the stones after the whole nation had made it through. So after you make it through to the other side, I want you to go back into those waters and get some stones right out of the middle. Now why? I mean, why, why wouldn't God just tell them, you know, pick up some stones once you make it to the other side. That, that would be so much easier. But God wants them to remember not just the finish line, not just the end result, but God wants them to remember how God was with them in the middle of it all. How God was with them in the middle of the uncertainty, in the middle of the mess, in the middle of the muck and the mire, that God was right there too because God is faithful. So God says, go back. Go back into those waters that I brought you through. Go back into those waters that you waited 40 years to cross and bring out something that will symbolize all that I have brought you through. Bring out something to symbolize all that I have done for you and set it up as a memorial so that you never forget. You never forget where you have been and you never forget what I have done for you. And I want you to set it up to tell the next generation, tell those who are coming behind you. So this is what it says. It goes on to verse four. So it says, so Joshua called together the 12 men he had appointed for the Israelites, one from each tribe and said to them, go over before the ark of the Lord your God into the middle of the Jordan. Each of you is to take up a stone on his shoulder according to the number of tribes of the Israelites to serve as a sign among you. In the future, when your children ask you, what do these stones mean? Tell them, tell them that the flow of the Jordan was cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord. That when it crossed the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. These stones are to be a memorial to the people of Israel forever. And so the Israelites did as Joshua commanded them. They took 12 stones from the middle of the Jordan according to the number of of the tribes of Israel as the Lord had told Joshua. And they carried them over with them to their camp where they put them down. And Joshua set up the 12 stones that had been in the middle of the Jordan at the spot where the priest who carried the Ark of the Covenant had stood. And they are there to this day. God tells them to go back into the waters, to each take out a stone to build a memorial so that when the next generation sees it, they'll ask, what's up with these stones? What do, what do they mean? Why are they, they here? And they will be there as a testimony, as a sign of the story of what God has brought them out of. And so I wonder, I wonder, what would your memorial stones be? And what, what would they represent? 
What would you have to kind of take out of the middle of something that God has brought you through? What is it that God has brought you out of that you can point back and say, that's God, that God did that? That in in the middle of the chaos, in the middle of the grief, in the middle of the loss, in the middle of the addiction, in the middle of the uncertainty, in the middle of it all, God was there. And I got the stones to show. I've been through this, and I know what it's like. What's, What's your unforgettable truth? What's that thing that that has changed you, has changed your life. And what's that unforgettable truth that you know in the depth of your heart that you can pass on to the next generation, that you can pass on to those who are coming behind you? You see, the Israelites, they set up these stones not for themselves. They set them up for the next generation as a way to tell their stories. Here's what God has done for us. Here's what our Lord is capable of. We had faith, we trusted, and we made it through to the other side. That in the middle of the mud, God was right there. And so here's, here's the question that, that I, I hope all of us just kind of wrestle with. And it's a church question, but it doesn't have to be a church question. It's just this. What are you leaving behind for those who are coming behind you? What are you leaving behind for those who are coming behind you? And I don't mean an inheritance. I don't mean stones. I mean, what truth, what unforgettable truth are you leaving behind for those who are coming behind you? What are those memorial stones that that you're stacking up, the testimonies of the stories about what God has done in your life for others to come and see, see what God has done? That in the middle of life being unfair, you can point back and say, God is good. That in the middle of life being scary, you can point back and say, nah, God is good. That in the middle of life changing, you can point back and say, nah, God is good. In the middle of life being sad, you could say, I still trust. God is good in the middle of that. And that when life is good and when you make it to the other side, you can point back to those stones, you can point back to those moments, those memories that made you who you are today and say, God is good. And so here's, here's how, it, how it ends, the story. And I'll wrap up with this. It says this in verse 19. It says, On the tenth day of the first month, the people went from the Jordan and camped at Gilgog on the eastern border of Jericho. They're now in the promised land. And Joshua set up at Gilgog the twelve stones, takes them with him. They had taken out of the Jordan. He said to the Israelites, In the future, when your descendants ask their parents, What do these stones mean? Tell them, Don't forget. Israel crossed the Jordan on dry ground. Four, because the Lord your God dried up the Jordan before you until you had crossed over. 
the Lord your God did to the Jordan, what he had done to the Red Sea when he dried it up before, before us as he had crossed over. He did this so that all the peoples of the earth might know that the hand of the Lord is powerful and so that you might always fear the Lord your God. What are you leaving behind for those who are coming behind you? How are you using those unforgettable truths, those memories, those stories, those testimonies, those memorial stones from the middle of the muck and the mire and the mess, from the middle of the miracle, to bless the next generation? Because, because when they're in the middle of their own mess, when they're in the middle of their own miracle, they're going to need somebody standing in the middle waiting for them, ushering them, guiding them to the other side. Somebody who's there in the middle to say, hey, look up there. I know it's tough down here. I know it's scary down here. But look, I've seen what our God can do. I've seen that God is faithful even in the middle of all of this. And so I don't know uh, a better way to kind of end this sermon than to have you all help me end it. Um, We get to 